Welcome to the Becoming Witchy Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly of Bramble and Broomstone. Join me and my guests as we share witchy tips, aha moments, tools, and resources that have helped us on our way, and as we discuss how magic shows up in our everyday. This podcast is here to encourage and support you on your own witchy way. Welcome to episode two of the Becoming Witchy podcast. Thank you for being here today. We're going to talk about spell casting and dive into what a spell can be and how to start making your own. Um, but before we get into that, we're going to check out our seasonal corner. It's mid-October. I'm in southern Ohio, and it is officially fall here. We've got pumpkins, mini gourds, mums, ghosts, all the spooky season vibes coming out. And October is this time of transition. It's a liminal time. People often say the veil is thin during these in-between seasons. And this time of year, when the earth is starting to go to sleep for winter and plants are dying back, We associate this time with ancestors and ghosts and spirits of the dead, and we celebrate that with Halloween and Samhain. And if you look on the opposite side of the Wheel of the Year, the other side of Samhain and fall is happening in the Southern Hemisphere right now, and that is spring, and the seasonal festival is Beltane. And Beltane and spring are also uh, part of this liminal transitional season where the earth starts waking up, and that time is often associated with fairies and life rather than the slowness and death of autumn. But I think it's just important to realize that on both sides of the wheel, opposite sides, we're both sort of having this same sort of liminal transitional time. But this slowness and quiet is so welcoming and comforting after the rush and the heat of summer. In our garden, pretty much everything is dying back except for our many volunteer decorative gourds and acorn squash, which will probably be going strong all into November. We also have a lot of leaves changing here, a lot of leaves, so it's really starting to look like fall. We have the yellows and the pinks and the reds, and it's really, really bringing those fall vibes. There's Halloween decorations everywhere. People are getting them out. The spooky season has officially taken off, and it's wonderful and witchy, and just, it is the season of the witch. Alright, let's get on with our main theme today, which is spellcrafting. And this is something I sort of struggled with in the beginning. It, It's like, what what does a spell look like and how do you make one that works? So I'll talk about what's been helpful for me and how to design your own spells. For me, spells are almost like a meditation, focusing on an intention in a way that inspires my mind and my body and my spirit all to take action in the real world. I think the most important ingredient in a spell is your awareness and intention. Bringing an awareness to something that you already do gives it the power to become a spell. So for me, spells are not just mixing up ingredients and waiting for something to happen to you. 
witchcraft and spells is it's all about your agency and using your own power. So spells are like an ally to you to help you accomplish something or to help support you on your way to a goal or an intention. I'll just say that the type of spells that I normally do are a type of chaos magic, and I didn't know that this was the name for it um, or what I was doing. I learned it sort of later on about chaos magic, so I'm still learning about what chaos magic is, and I'm not an expert on it, but my understanding of it is that it's doing something and using ingredients that work for you and for your purpose in that moment. And it's not necessarily based in a tradition or a practice. So that's just sort of the angle that I'm coming at spellcrafting from. Um, I just wanted to throw that out there. And you can look up Chaos Magic and do your own research about that. Um, it might be that like a more traditional style of spellcrafting works better for you. And I'm a practical witch. So I'm going to use things that are around me, that I'm familiar with, and that I have a connection to. For me, it's more powerful than following a recipe and using things that I've never heard of. And I'll say that I do have an herbal for reference, and at this point I have a pretty good working knowledge of traditional uses for a lot of plants and stones and other ingredients that I use. And I can lean on that knowledge and I can use the books that I have as a reference, and it's good to have sort of a working knowledge of traditional properties, but I don't think it's necessary. And I also don't think it's uh, any better than using sort of your own associations for plants and stones and other ingredients, um, using what you, what you feel comes from them, I think is really valid and uh, lends itself to really powerful spells. But I do want to say that it is really important, and especially if you're planning to ingest or apply part of your spell to your body, that you check to make sure it's safe and not poisonous and not harmful in any way. Always safety first. Always check to make sure that anything that you're using in your spell is safe. So I think a good place to start is, do you have any objects or things you collect, or plants even, that feel magical to you. Maybe it's a rock from your hometown that makes you feel grounded, or a bracelet that belongs to your grandma that makes you feel connected to your family, or even tea that calms you down, um, a favorite cup or a favorite bowl. All of these things that you already feel a sort of magical connection to can be used in spells, and almost like ingredients. You can look up what herbs are in your favorite tea and start with using those herbs for a spell because you already know how those herbs affect you and you already have um, associations attributed to those herbs and you know how they are going to work for you. So I like to think of it like if you're doing a spell to help you with something, you're much more likely to get better help when you're working with friends than if you're working with total strangers. So start with the familiar to get comfortable and to get practice, and then you have a foundation to start experimenting with the stranger things that you're not so familiar with. And if you grow any plants, that's also a good place to start. I grow mint, and I have a whole bed that's dedicated to it, 
and I use it for a lot of its traditional uses, but I also use it for a lot more because I just have it in such abundance and I have a really strong connection to it since I grow it and harvest it and work with it. So if you have a plant like that that you grow or are super familiar with, that's a good place to start um, when you're looking for magical ingredients. I also recommend thinking of things you already do that you could add some intention to, to make it into a spell. Is there anything you do that feels magical or helps you clear your mind or makes you feel grounded? Examples always help me, so I'll give you an example. I make ceramics on a wheel and the process of centering clay on a wheel is so calming and grounding for me. I like to think that I enter the avatar state when I get it perfectly centered. And the avatar state is reference to Avatar The Last Airbender cartoon. And if you've never seen that, I highly recommend it. It's amazing. And the avatar state is basically when Aang, um, the main character, can access the state where he gains all of the knowledge and abilities of all of his past lives. And I think of it as like a feeling of infinite connection. And because when I'm centering clay, you have to put your whole body into this act of creating one point of perfect centeredness. And when you hit that point, you can feel it like reverberate through your whole body and everything is aligned and it's just this moment of perfect balance and it's so magical. And I actually started ceramics before I started calling myself a witch and so I already had this practice of grounding and centering and creation and I just wasn't putting any awareness or intention into it. And once I started to think about what I was doing and the effect it had on me, I could make that into a spell. And from the chaos of the literal lump of clay that I start with, I create this order and this balance and this physical manifestation of that. Um, so now it's like each of the pieces that I make are made with intention and they're little physical spells that contain all of that energy that I've put into it to make it. And I make a lot of bowls and I like to use the bowls that I make in almost all of my spells. I make like little small offering and divination bowls and that's where I usually add like ingredients and an object that I might be charging or a candle or water for like scrying and stuff. And I just love like this idea that I can use this physical manifestation of one spell to create so many more spells from. And I think a lot of art forms and making processes can work this way and naturally lend themselves to magic and spellcrafting. Because like that's just sort of what art is and everything is magical. A lot of these art forms and artistic sort of creative endeavors also provide this type of like meditation in their process where you reach this avatar state. And so if you have something like this that you're already doing, I think it's a really great place to start to get you thinking about how a spell can feel and be acted out and what, what type of energy you need to lend to this creation process. Um, it's also fun to turn something that would normally be considered mundane into something magical.
All right, I can't not mention spell books, right? So it can be really great to start with a spell book. Your local library probably has some that you can try out. And this can help you get an idea of what a spell might entail or what it might look like, how many ingredients you might need, and it can help you learn associations. So I recommend the book Witchery by Juliet Diaz. It's really accessible and covers a lot of topics. And I've done some of those spells and they've worked for me. And I just think it's a really great book. It has a lot of information in it about moon phases and other witchy things. So it's just a really good resource and I highly recommend it. Another great book for spellcrafting is Bohemian Magic by Veronica Varlow. And it's really interesting and different from a lot of the other books I've seen. It reads more like a book and it has some really great spells in it that seem to focus more on action and personalization, which I really like. There's also a book called Spellcrafting by Erin Murphy Hiscock. And that one really goes step by step into creating spells and it's very thorough um, and is a really good resource uh, for referencing when you're trying to start crafting your own spells. And I just want to say that when I first started trying to do spells from books, I was really uh, focused on doing them like it was an exact recipe. And a lot of times I felt really disconnected from them and the ingredients and the process, and they usually didn't end up working for me. And it wasn't until I started summing out the materials and the words for some that I had connections with that I started to really get an understanding of what I was doing. So that's why I recommend starting with thing, starting with materials that you have a connection to already. So you can sort of draw from that magical feeling until you get the hang of using things that you've never worked with before, because it can just be kind of hard to go from something that you've never worked. Like if you get, if a recipe or a spell calls for a mandrake or something like you maybe have never seen a mandrake. Um, I don't think I have. So it, it just can be harder to use something like that that you don't have any personal connection to. So starting in a place with something that's familiar or that already feels magic to, magical to you is just a lot easier. And you'll probably end up wasting a lot less time than I did. And remember that just like a recipe, a spell might not always work the first time, but it does get better when you practice it. So keep practicing, and the more you practice, the better results you'll get. So another thing you want to think about is the goal or the intention of the spell. It doesn't have to be something big. Uh, you can start with something small and familiar, a spell for grounding or for luck or for coziness. And you might already have something that you do for these things, like you might have a lucky necklace, um, you might give yourself pep talks, um, you might have a scented candle that you light to make your house feel cozy. And this is a good place to start when you're crafting a new spell. And focusing on a goal or intention is really helpful for directing your energy and determining what form the spell should take. Like maybe your cozy spell is an infused bath or a warm potion you can drink. I really like to charge objects like jewelry. So when I wear it or see it out on a shelf, I remember to take action, to stay focused on the goal. Or in the case of a lot of my jewelry that I charge with boundary spells, 
It just makes me feel safer and supported and empowered to say no to people who are trying to take advantage of me. And you can always recharge these objects with the same spell to power them up, or you can cleanse them with salt, and they can be used with another spell. So determining the goal and the intention will help you uh, determine what form the spell is going to take. Once you have an intention or a goal set, you can make a mantra. And I use mantras to cover all the words that I use to activate a spell when I'm doing it. And you don't have to have a mantra or use any words at all, but I love a good mantra, so um, I'll cover how I use them. And I don't consider myself a poet or a writer by any means, but I do make up little rhyming songs about my cats every single day. And based on a lot of the cat memes that I've seen, I think that probably a lot of people can relate to that. So I also give myself pep talks if I'm having like a hard day or something. Um, and again, I think that's not uncommon. And this is the energy that I channel when I'm making a mantra for a spell. It's usually a fun, easygoing energy, and I come up with something spontaneously. If I sit down and try to think seriously about writing a mantra, I usually freak myself out and I have a lot more trouble coming up with something. But channeling the like fun, creative energy that I use for cat songs is a really effective strategy for writing my mantras. Oh, I have a cat that came up and started purring. I don't know if you can hear him. Very sweet. Um, he heard me talking about cat songs. So... My mantras are usually simple one to three sentences. I like to rhyme, but they don't have to rhyme. And I get a little shy about sharing them, but I'll share a few every once in a while on the podcast just to give an example of what they can look like. Because I think if someone said like, now come up with a mantra, it's kind of intimidating and you might not know where to start. So I'll share at least part of some of my mantras um, that I use in the rituals that work section. I'll actually share one today in the rituals that work section. And so that'll give you idea, an idea of like what it can be, just an example. So once you have your ingredients, your mantra, your goal and intention, um, you're gonna wanna think of something that you can do to set the mood for your spell. Um, and this is just something that will trigger your brain to think, ah, it's magic time. And scents and sounds are a really good way to do that. So you can light a candle, you can burn incense, spray a room spray, you can ring a bell or a chime, play some music, and it can be calm music, pump up music, it completely depends on you and what you're aiming to do with the spell and what energy you sort of want to have with that. So I usually use some type of scent. There's um, a business called Ghost Poppy that has great smells <laughs> and it's in every form that you can think of so they have incense candles room spray diffusers you name it they have it so they're all really good smells and i use their stuff a lot in my spells so i highly recommend them i also recommend taking three deep breaths when you're gonna begin a spell um, just to ground yourself and this is something that I learned from Pam Grossman through the Witch Wave Coven. 
And I think it's so helpful just to sort of calm and reset the mind and get you ready to focus on your spell and hear your intuition. And all of this, uh, the scent, this, um, the sounds, the deep breaths, it's all a way to help shift your energy and clear your mind. Some spells might require you to raise energy or draw energy from another source. And I usually almost always just do this by lighting a tea candle, but you can also dance or sing or play an instrument. In Bohemian Magic, she talks about rubbing your hands together until they're hot to create this energy, and I really like that one too. So that is my main advice for starting spellcrafting. And I'm gonna do a little summary right now uh, to sort of break it down, everything that we've gone through. And just remember that this is only one way of doing this, and it's, I hope it's not a recipe. Um, I hope it's really open, and it's just sort of a framework or skeleton that you can pull from or draw some inspiration from. And I highly encourage you to experiment with it and to find other examples. And this is just one example, which I think can be helpful at any stage that you're at. I always feel like I'm learning and can always find a new way of doing something, and this is just one way. So, in summary, a spell is just a way to support you and engage your mind, body, and spirit to inspire action in the real world. So very simply, what this can look like. Light some incense and play some music to set a mood. Place a necklace to charge in a bowl and cover it with all of the ingredients you've gathered. Light a tea candle as the mantra is recited to charge the object with the intended purpose. When I do spells, I usually sit with the spell and meditate on the mantra until the tea light burns down at least halfway. And that is an example of a spell. Welcome to the Rituals That Work segment. Today for the ritual that works, um, this is one that I do every single day after, um, after work. So it's my after work spell. And just to give you some background as to why I do this spell, I had a negative experience at work and it really affected my mental state. And I would come home from work and turn this event over in my head, just keep running over these negative interactions and experiences, and it was horrible. Of course, I took action to make sure it wouldn't happen again, at least to the degree that I had control over, um, but the trauma of the event still stayed with me, and this ritual really helped me retrain my brain to stop playing this event over and over in my head, and to finally let go of it so that I could move past it and create a safe space for myself. And it did take practice. I think I did this spell for about a month before I started to notice that it was working. And it has worked, and I still do it every single day after work. So my goal or intention when I created this ritual was to provide an escape from this negativity and to try to get my mind away from this constant replay. So sometimes I'll start by opening a window just for everything to sort of blow out. Um, I start by ringing a bell and I spray a room spray from Ghost Poppy all over me and around me. 
It's called Banish, and it's a sage, mint, and eucalyptus scent, and its purpose is for banishing unwanted energy. So it's really great for this spell. And I use a whisk broom that my husband got me from Hearthcraft Brooms, and I literally physically sweep my body with it. I start with my hair, and I sweep outwards and downwards until I reach my feet. And I try to imagine that I'm sweeping actual dirt off me when I do this, and I really visualize the negativity becoming detached and leaving my body. And while doing this, I recite a mantra, so I'll share just the first part of it with you. I am cleansed of all that has happened today. Negativity is banished away. And I keep repeating that until I'm done sweeping. And then I'll ring the bell one more time, maybe do another banished spray, and I visualize all of the negative dust I've swept off disappearing with the last chime of the bell. And this ritual takes practice, but it works. And I offer it to you in hopes that it can help you too. Welcome to the episode draw segment, where we pull a tarot or oracle card to leave us with a message until the next episode. Okay, you guys, so this time I shuffled the cards before the recording because I know last time I shuffled the cards right into the mic and that was so loud and I apologize for that. So I sh- I've shuffled the cards and we are going to draw one. Um, Okay, I to- I've told you, I talked in the first episode about how there are no bad or scary tarot cards. So here we're testing that now. So we got the three of swords for this tarot pull. Um, <clears throat> and the three of swords is a heart with three swords stabbed through it in the uh, Smith, r- the Rider Waite Smith deck. Um, so the three of swords is often associated with heartbreak. Um, And I actually think this is a really good card to get after the ritual that I just shared. Um, Because after heartbreak, we often expand and we grow and we learn new things. um, And we have this sort of emotional release. So from this ritual where I describe this like heartbreak that I had, this trauma that I had and um, the... I've had to recover from that in this ritual that I designed to recover from that. Um, I've learned and expanded and grown a lot from that. So I think this message of the Three of Swords um, is asking us to look where we might have heartbreak hiding inside of us and what we can do to try to heal that and try to expand from that and grow from that. So I will leave you with that message. for this, these next few weeks before we talk again. I hope that you have a great week and that you expand and grow and heal. Um, until next time, thank you for listening to the Becoming Witchy podcast. this episode and would like to support the podcast, please rate and review us. It helps others find the podcast and we so appreciate your support.